0: Definitely not the weekend we would have predicted, JNT and I, before going live. We're just talking about how the series didn't go as quite as expected. Uh, spoiler alert, 100 Thieves absolutely destroyed Cloud9, and we got lots to talk about, about. Well, was LS right about Renekton, and is Summit really just not what we thought he was? Lots of things to talk about there. Should Cloud9 now be worried about Golden Guardians coming up next week? Uh, there was some discussion more on Twitter, not so much Reddit about should JoJo Pun be blamed. We'll get into that. Uh so much to talk about this week. Danny had some some comments or even a whole um uh, document on Champions Q, and there's lots of uh interesting opinions surrounding that. JT and I will get into all of that in this episode. This is episode eighty of the Clown Fiesta Podcast. J and T, let's get into it. Where are we starting?
1: Well, obviously I think the the big surprise this weekend was Cloud 9 100 Thieves not necessarily who won because i think you know a handful of people would have picked cloud 9 and another handful of people would have picked 100 Thieves to win but in the 3-0 fashion absolute stomping that it was i don't think anybody saw that coming
0: yeah i i i certainly didn't i mean the thing is i i could see actually some people predicting it just because of how the week went prior to that but for me the my perception was still like okay look c9 had one really bad weekend and 100 ts did not look really good for that long either this this uh spring split like they looked better towards the end but they had a really slow start so it was kind of like well are they for real like yes i think so but i'm not that sold on it and then this weekend kind of sold you on it you know Mm -hmm. um yeah so this series (laughs) i i gotta say i was a little bit disappointed i wanted to see cloud nine show up and they just didn't um, then most of the discussion surrounding this series was about Renekton. Now we said, we asked like, was LOS, was LS right all along? But JNT, I'll remind you going back to when we first started this podcast, we had the same conversations ourselves saying how much we hate the Renekton blind pick. And I think, now stop me if I'm putting words in your mouth here. For me, I've always hated the Renekton blind. People that listen to this podcast know that. I don't hate Renekton nearly as much as LS does, but I absolutely hate it the way C9 picked it just blind, and then obviously someday can deal with that, um, and that's what we saw, and that was pretty much the difference maker in this series. And now a lot of people are asking the question, well, it's like, did C9 just get exploited in the one lane that they've been winning most of their games out of? Do they only have that win condition? And now there's a bunch of worries surrounding Cloud9, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, the weird part about it for me is, as you mentioned, the blind pick Renekton, because I myself, I definitely, if we sort of harken back to season 10, I, like my, my opinion on Renekton sort of flipped because I was of the opinion, like, wow, this champion is just like really terrible, just in general, why are teams and, you know, regions even picking this champion to begin with? And then I sort of slowly came to the re- the realization that it's sort of like a win more champ, and it also rewards the teams who have great coordination and team play in the early game because it's a great champion in utilizing wave management in the early game, using it to set up dives for top laners, and therefore gives you a lot of strength when it comes to like early Rift Herald and dragon fights. But at the same time, when you blind pick this champion into you know good top laners in the LCS, like it wouldn't it wouldn't have surprised me at all. If we had seen this matchup of Renekton versus Ornn or Renekton versus Sion, or Renekton versus Malphite, and somebody's playing Renekton and he's playing against you know your regular old LCS top laner, whether it be Kumo, Fake God, Revenge, like Jenkins, like you name it, but up against the the class of the like the cream of the crop top laners in the LCS, and someday and Whippo, like that, this is a strategy that's just not going to work because they're too good of players to just be rolled over. Like their landing is too good. You know, their team play is too good as well. Like the enemy jungle does a great job in coordination, you know, trying to save someday's lane. Not necessarily that it needed to be saved, but that like he's defending him when, you know, waves are getting stacked and looking for dives. He's defending them when, you know, Summit is trying to push out the waves. And it's just a really weird sort of strategy that Cloud9 just decided to implement and just say hey, we're going to pick this Renekton, we're going to blind pick it so you can play whatever you want into it, but then we're going to completely ignore the lane and not even interact with it whatsoever. Like That was the biggest question mark for me. Is like, why are they picking this champion if they're not going to spend any jungle resources at all top line to ensure that this matchup goes well and goes in their favor? Because it just felt like Cloud9 wasn't expecting 100 of these to just send closer top for the first five minutes of the game. Because I think in all three games, closer to his top lane at like three minutes four minutes or five minutes and always pretty much get us would get a kill almost every time
0: yeah and the other thing to talk about with this specific pick is like maybe you even do expect to win the early game but sometimes that just doesn't matter because the other champion just scales so much better and is so much more useful like if you ask me will i take the orn against the Renekton, always yes you might even get a successful a successful dive off early but i'm still like hey well you better end the game pretty damn quick because the orn is going to be really really useful later and we saw that as well so it's like even if you do win the, the early game which is not a guarantee there's still no guarantee that you're going to just cruise through the rest of the game after you have that winning lane so it's like it's such a high risk and low reward kind of pick for me now to your point I want to talk about 100 Thieves in this series because even though it's really hard to ignore just how bad Cloud9 was, 100 Thieves looked freaking great. Closer was absolutely the best player this weekend in my mind. I thought there was, he was just absolutely amazing. Um, and yes, that's how you see such drastic uh, leads is when you have some team playing so incredibly bad and some team playing so incredibly good. That's where these 3-0 hard stomps come from. And I think like to just look at it from the side of cloud nine doesn't do justice to how prepped 100 thieves was for this series. And they came in very really confident to this series as well. And they showed why they were so damn confident playing against cloud nine.
1: Yeah. And I even remember saying this last week that cloud nine towards the end of the regular season had been playing this super greedy play style of picking champions that are very feast or famine and do require leads to be useful. And, you know, you kind of can see when they actually go up against some resistance or go up against a lot of these better teams, especially that have better coordination in the early game. It's way it's way more difficult for Cloud9 to be able to just smash their lanes like they used to. Like as the season will progress, like teams get better. Like you can go back to even Cloud9's previous matchups against 100 Thieves earlier on in the season, and even C9's matchups against TL in the middle of the season, where like Cloud9 was just like straight up winning lanes and was you know doing whatever they wanted in the early game, but you got to assume at some point that teams are going to get better throughout the season. Players are going to sort of come back onto their form. I mean, we've totally seen that with 100 these. I think Abadage, he had a much better second half to the season than he started. Same with FBI. I think he was pretty underwhelming in the first half of the season and is now kind of getting back to the FBI of old. Maybe not as lane dominant as we're used to, but he's still like, you know, gold vacuum in the early game and then just will pump out damage in the late game. and. You know, I feel like Cloud9, they've sort of just been punished for this one and only playstyle that they've been really using this whole season, which is, we're going to play greedy champions, we're going to win our lanes because we're better players, and then we're going to take our lead and just, like, r- coast through the mid and late game because we have a lead. And, you know, in this series, Cloud9, they didn't really have a plan in the early game. That's what it felt like to me. Like, there was no plan. Like, you could clearly see on the 100 Thieves side, they wanted to pick strong bot side of the map, so that closer could influence top and mid whenever he wanted to. And that's what you saw from the series. Like, they picked self sufficient bot lanes to where closer could spend all of his attention on the top side of the map, preventing Summit from getting that huge snowball going. And when you look at it from the Cloud9 side, like Blabber was just kind of like going around farming camps and he was like, oh, wait a minute. My solo laners aren't up like 2000 gold in the early game. I can't just take Rift Heralds and drags whenever.
0: Yeah, I I want to go back to the part, the Abadage part that you were talking about, being the first half he didn't look so good, second half he looked a lot better. I would even go as far to say that the first three quarters of the season he looked really bad, and I remember personally getting pretty impatient. I remember at the start of the split, I said like, okay, he's looking pretty bad, but like we trust Abadage to get better, and then by mid-split when he wasn't looking better, I was going okay, at what point does he start to look better? Because I'm starting to worry now. And, well, I should have just stuck with my gut originally and not been worried because he absolutely did show up this series. The The main takeaway was the Azir game. The The huge Azir shuffle was pretty damn clean. And honestly, he just didn't really have, like, he was not a liability like we saw him so much at the start of the split. He was just pure reliable, um, which is not something we could say about Abadagi for most of this year. And... That's where I think if you're a 100 Thieves fan, you could, like, big sigh of relief because it's like, okay, no matter how long Abadaghe has is struggling in a split, in the end, he will come out and show up. And he kind of did when it mattered. And so, like, if I'm a 100 Thieves fan, I'm going, okay, like, this is this is definitely... I feel much better now because there was a long time where, if you're a 100 Thieves fan, I don't think you would have been as comfortable watching Abadage play.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely sort of... Like I said before, like I don't think he's necessarily back to his like summer twenty twenty one form where he was just like just playing really, really well and kind of smurfing, but he's just back to being a solid, stable laner that's not gonna throw away the game. And that's really all you can ask for when you have this jungler who is just like absolutely destroying everybody someday who's probably having his best season since his like season seven, season eight days, and their bot lane who's actually like on form and doesn't die in the early game.
0: Yeah. And the other thing another thing that I noticed specifically from One Hundred Thieves this weekend was I really liked their just shot calling and macro, actually. Um the, the main thing that comes to mind is game two. Game two was the only one that was like kinda close. You'll remember like Cloud9 wins a nice fight in the mid lane, Blabber gets like a four man Diane ulti, they pick up a few kills, blah blah blah. And then C9 ends up going to drag, and immediately one hundred thieves just rushes right to Baron. They know exactly what they want to do. And now they have Cloud Nine on the other side, kinda like what is it? The Western Quadrant of the jungle where Blue Buff is, and they can't walk through that one choke. And you could always point to like draft if there because, like, well, they drafted all these short range champions into like Victor, for example. And, and like, you can't walk through because Victor obviously is W and his poke and all that stuff. But you know what? It's it, 100 Thieves recognized that and said, guys, if we just rush Baron here, they can't do jack shit. And, well, that was exactly true. And so, like, even though they outplayed C9 on a micro level, I would even say they outplayed them on a macro level, just having, or just calling plays that C9 could not possibly answer. And so, that is another really good sign to see from 100 Thieves uh, going through a playoff run.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're just looking, you know, really good all around. Um, I don't think they... It doesn't feel like they have that star, like apart from closer, they don't really have that star power like TL does with kind of like Birx and Wippo, and Hansama. But I
0: throw Someday in there though, closer Someday. Yeah, yeah. Come on, give me give some love to the top lane.
1: <laughs> he's been playing good, so yeah. I'll, we'll, yeah, he's we'll, been great. We'll put him in there. But 100 Thieves to me, they feel like the better team. And, you know, I think, you know, part of people might raise their eyebrows a bit because, like, TL is just like this huge team fighting, like, war machine. Or it feels like whenever they get their you know preferred team fighting comp, like it's so difficult to win the game. But at the same time, like 100 thieves are to me that level. But in the early game, like their early game to me right now is the best part of this team. Like throughout you know their whole like seven game win streak that they ended the split on before losing their last game to Dignitas, and now this series you just saw against Cloud9, like they are destroying people in the early game. And to me, that's what I want to see from like the number one team in the LCS and the team that I want you know to rep MSI. So like. I think, you know, one hundred thieves versus TL is obviously going to be a super interesting series, you know. Yeah, I can't un- wait, man. Unfortunately, you know, that series doesn't happen for two weeks. I mean, like, what's going on with the scheduling there where we have to wait two weeks for like the upper bracket matchup. But uh, you know, like that you know, to me, I think whoever wins that series will probably end up being, you know, the winners to split.
0: Yeah. Um which yeah like like you said it's sad that we have to wait two weeks but there is some really exciting and, and a lot of anticipation leading up to that series so that should be fun and with that both those teams locked their uh trip to houston so that is guaranteed because even if they lose even if one of those teams lose that match yeah they're they go still to going the lower to bracket finals like the, yeah yeah um anything else on cloud nine did you want to talk at all about maybe their bot lane or anything like that
1: yeah, I mean to so sort of talk about it from the Cloud Nine sign, like, you know, obviously players themselves, you know, didn't have a great series. You know, to me, the only person that was really playing well at all this series was Berserker. Um yeah, maybe I, agree. I think you could maybe throw Blabber in there because I think there were a couple factors that were a bit outside of his control in this series. You know, the game one was pretty unfortunate with him dying and having a splashbone level one. Game three, like he had a really insane lead the cloudland did a really smart invade on his top side and they sort of forced closer to match the map split by running into his blue buff and he had like a 15 second tempo advantage and it all just gets destroyed by you know budge kind of flashing over to secure the kill in the raptor pit then dies then winsome dies when they're trying to 2v 2v3 contest the rift terror or the the scuttle crab so I think, the to me, the only people that played well whatsoever in this series were probably Berserker, and you could maybe throw Blaber in there. I would, you know, other people might not. But to me, I mean, the biggest problem from Cloud9, I think a lot of people want to talk about, you know, Summit and, you know, just the his KDA and just how bad it was and just like the number of deaths that he was racking up throughout this entire series. But to me, that's not as big of an issue as the early game is to me with cloud nine, because cloud nine are usually one of the best early game teams in the LCS. And that's kind of why they've been so successful over the last like two and a half years is having really strong early games. And that's off the back of, you know, blabber and strong laning. And when cloud nine is sort of failing in the early game where it's clear that they don't have a plan they're not really doing a lot of proactive things in the early game, just expecting their laners to get leads. That, to me, is more of the bigger problem than Summit dying, you know, seven times in the game. Like, he could, like 0-7-0 or 0-2-0, like that doesn't change the fact about how terrible the game plan was and how like the draft was just bad. Like it was just straight up bad because, you know, with Cloud9, like they're always a the team that isn't going to give up easily. Like they're going to they're gonna be the team that goes down with the fight and like they don't care if they end the game like 0-7-0. Because they would rather try and win back the early game or win back the mid game than just roll over and die in the late game and not really like play. They would just like, oh, like we'll just give dragon, we'll just give soul, we'll we'll scale, quote unquote. But you know, people people might sort of laugh at cloud nine with like a lot of the int plays that happened in this series and like the clear desperation that they were going for. But you know, to me, like that's just cloud nine. Like they would rather fight back in the early mid game. Then, you know, quote, unquote, like I said, quote unquote, scale to the late game if they have, like, a, even though they have a terrible draft. But, you know, the lack of proactivity and planning in the early game is what's really wrong with this team, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I actually want to shout out Ragio. I didn't see his message in Discord till now when I posted it for us to go live, but he asked the question, like, why can't C9 just ban Ornn and Malfight? And since I didn't answer him in Discord, I may as well just answer it now. I just think that's kind of an oversimplification. Um, could that help them? Yeah. Because, like, That does kind of counter some of the champs that uh, Summit likes to play. But, like, you have to remember that just banning something leaves something else up. So, like, I I don't remember exactly what all the ban phases were, but that does leave other things up. And so maybe you're leaving something else super OP open. But also, if you look at how they played, yes, maybe their draft sucked, but they also played, like, pure dog shit. (laughs) And so, like, maybe there's just a lot of reasons, a lot of different reasons to point at. For why c9 is losing the series so hard and, and i, I kind of said this earlier but i'll reiterate it again like when there's this much of a stop rarely is it just like oh draft if lol like they didn't play well they like on top of yes their drafts put them in a really difficult spot but they also didn't play well whatsoever summit was just free ganks closer went top every single time he went top he got a kill and it was like well at some point somebody's got to be tracking the enemy jungler somebody's got to getting be getting down wards, and so it's a little bit of an oversimplification to say just ban these two champions and you'll be fine um even if though banning those two champions might actually help them you know what i'm saying
1: yeah i mean i, I i'm kind of on the, like I'm, and I'm not saying i disagree with you but i agree like wholeheartedly with your point but you know for me it's if it's not malphite or if it's not orn it's scion or like it's maokai or it's gragas or it's insert any other tank top and cloud9 yeah. probably fails. Like. And that's part of the problem with you know their yeah, lack fair. of their lack of game plan in the early game. Like if you're going to pick this Renekton into this scaling tank top, that you know your champion is just going to simply be not as useful as the other one post 15 20 minutes. Like that means that you need to you know speed up the pace of this early game and accelerate that lane because you know champions like Renekton versus a champion like you know Orn or Scion, you throw it an extra 2k gold in the early game, it is going to have a way bigger impact then that champion will and it's just like to see cloud nine pick this playstyle and pick this draft and then literally ignore top for the entire series is just like kind of mind boggling
0: it's not even that they just picked i mean of course it is that they picked that playstyle but they also like ran it back again to the salty run back is that's what's going to really put you under scrutiny when things don't work out right is when you look so bad on on the draft and then run back the same draft and lose even if the game is closer even if you get smashed regardless if you look that bad you run it back and lose again you're gonna really come under a lot of heat from the community and that seemed to be what happened here unfortunately uh should we move on to or i mean i i I guess last thing that
1: i'll say is i didn't mind the salty run back because like it was a pretty doomed you know game from the get-go with blabber dying level one and kind of the early game getting super screwed up but this is kind of where you know i would say the fault sort of lies on other players in the series because like in my opinion like fudge had a terrible series like fudge did absolutely nothing the ins- this entire series i felt like yeah. you know he didn't do a single thing like rise like I, I mean i said my piece on you know rise and tank rise in the past you know in previous <laughs> episodes
0: again, but
1: but even if it wasn't tank rise like Rise in general is a champion that is supposed to be proactive in the early game and should have priority at level six and beyond and be able to influence the map. Like that is why we see teams mm-hmm. pick Rise for the Realm Warp to make dives happen in top and bot. Like they like they even like they take the, the river runes, they take Celerity Waterwalking because that's what the champion does. It, it pushes the lane and it roams. But it shouldn't roam a single time this entire series while playing Rise.
0: Yeah. No, that's a that's like, a very like, fair point. Like hey, not a
1: single the- you know er, proactive early game play against once again the scaling mid pick from 100 thieves in victor which is why i had no problem with him running it back i was like okay well we're just going to see a more aggressive cloud nine and we're going to see them go for maybe more risky early game plays and we didn't see that it was just like the same thing like let's just fuck off basically and we're going to hope that our, our team fighting is better when you know when you you, you, you compare the two comps set, each individual point of the game past 20 minutes, 100 of these champions are always going to be more useful than cloud Knight's champions, no matter what.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's a really fair point to bring up the fudge not really making any plays. And I, I will, I'm like half coming into his defense because I didn't really pay attention to that when I was rewatching the games of how much was like him just not doing anything and how much of it was the lane states are just not in a good position for him to be able to make those roams. A lot of times that is like, like Rise is very much a competitive team pick, right? It is not just one guy piloting Rise, and that's just, if he's good on it, then you're good to go. A lot of times, you do need to work as a team around that pick, and so it's possible that it doesn't just completely fall on fudge, although definitely, um, if you're going to blame, um, uh, if you're going to look at a player that's not making any plays, the first player to look at is the guy who's piloting the champion, right? So that, that I think, is fair. Um, before we move on to, uh, to TL and uh, EG, I actually just wanted to shout out um, our Discord, because when's the last time we plugged our Discord, Uh (laughs) J&T? Kind of just forget to plug it. Um, But yeah, just so you guys know, we do have a Discord, and so exclamation point Discord on on Twitch, if you want to find what it is there. If you guys ever want to jump in Discord, ask us questions, or even sometimes you could recommend a topic, by all means do so. Um, It's something we should probably plug more often. We kind of just forget to, but... Um, would always be cool to hear from you guys. So, just thought I would plug that. The command's broken. Fringe. Oh no, we must fix the command. We'll get to that. All right, let's do a TLEG the banger series. Last thing I'll say,
1: Winsome also grieved.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Winsome hasn't looked good for a little while now. Actually, probably three or four weeks, perhaps. But yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go TLEG. This series was the banger of the weekend. It was not the 3-0 that we thought it would be. Um, yeah, sure, we took TL in this one, but this series, yeah, like I said, didn't go the way we expected it to, to, to to go. EG looked a lot better, and maybe, depending on who you are, maybe TL looked a lot worse than you expected. Yeah,
1: I think the word around the series after it happened was like, wow, TL is not as good as we thought they were. And I don't know, I, I feel like watching this series, I was of the opinion that, like, EG showed up. And EG was playing well because a lot of the problems that I think EG has shown throughout the majority of the regular season, which was, you know, inspired sort of like passive early game and like, oh, like he just farms camps and like, oh, Mm -hmm. he doesn't really do a whole lot. And oh, Jojo Pune is like kind of being a little too chad and dying a lot. Like it felt like the complete opposite, like inspired was having pretty good early games. We won't talk about his lease in game one because goddamn, that was like a horror show. But I thought his Nocturne early game in uh was that game five when he had the Nocturne or was that game three?
0: Uh three, I think. Yeah, I, think I thought it's three. I thought it's
1: early game on not. it was game three. Yeah, his early game on Nocturne was great in that game. Um his uh his lease in on game two was great. JoJo Pune, I thought had a really great series. Like he was actually piloting the rise in a really effective way for games um one, two, and three. Um and then, you know, impact was you know, neutralizing BoBo in the top lane for the most part. And their bot lane was doing well. Like, I don't know, to me, this series was way more about EG playing well and showing up rather than TL not looking as good or like being bad.
0: Yeah, I agree. There was one player from TL that I thought actually had a really bad series and that was Bwipo. Um, I will say his game one and game five were okay, but two, three, and four, I thought he looked really, really bad. Like running it down quite often, getting picked off quite, op- quite often. Like I was really surprised how much uh, Whippo was able to be exploited in this series. And that's something that I didn't notice my first time watching when we were watching it live. I didn't recognize just how bad WIPPO was in those games two, three, and four. Rewatching them, I was like, holy crap, man. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Um, often in side lanes getting picked off, sometimes just rotating through river with no vision whatsoever and no, none of his teammates around him getting picked off. I, yeah, I, his Gragas... I thought his Gragas in Game 2 was really, really bad. And, like, I don't know what happened to Bwipo, but I thought he was a big reason as to why the, that series went five games. As for the rest of TL, of course, there was hiccups. There in the five-game series, there's always going to be some mistakes. But I don't think any of the players really stood out quite like Bwipo did to me from, from the TL side of things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought... I mean, I, I would say in Game 2, I don't think... Like, he had a strong lane phase. Um, he definitely was... Not as effective as we previously have seen him on the tank Gragas in other games. But, I mean, I thought he did a good job in lane, but kind of to what I was saying before, His laning phase
0: was okay. His laning phase was okay. It was much more after. We saw him... Obviously, we saw him fail the flash over the wall, which is like, yeah, that's just a mechanical, mechanical thing that's being a little bit picky. But then he's, like, TPing on a ward right in front of all the EG players, and then obviously just dies for free, and that gives over free Baron. And then what else? Uh... Twice in team fights, just walking up right up into EG. So, like, three of his deaths were just walking straight up, like, thinking he was that tank frontline that's full build when he's just not full build. And, like, he's just getting, you know, rise uh, rooted and then just taken right down. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, he is just not really respecting EG's damage whatsoever. Uh, like, yeah, you're a little bit tanky when you're Gragas, but he's not that tanky. And like three of his deaths were like pretty much the same way. And so that's why I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck happened with Whippo? If if people are like, like they didn't recognize that, go watch game two again. Go watch Wippo, You'll see that a lot of his deaths, he's actually just sprinting it.
1: I mean I guess I couldn't pick out those exact moments, so I don't really know, but from what well, I remember I like
0: live. when I watched it live, I didn't see it either. So I yeah, anyways, I would watch it again if I were if I were you. But anyway.
1: Yeah. Um what was I gonna say? Uh
0: I know you wanted to talk about Core JJ and his Alistar. I know you had some opinions on that. Um, what did you think of the Alistar pick?
1: Dude, Alistar just seems like another one of those like dog champs that just like is kinda bad, like in NA, like, Alistair, I checked the stats, like, obviously the stats don't tell everything, and, you know, bad players could be playing Alistar, but, like, is like, 2-10 this season, and, like, one of them, one of the games was, like, Winsome played Alistar, another game, Shenyi played Alistar, and I think they were playing as Immortals and Golden Guardians, so, like, you know, that's, like, not really good results, and Alstar just feels like the poor man's Leona Nautilus, because those other two champions just seem, like, way more consistent and just have that you know i think you know alistar kind of has that reliability and like the combo or like the flash combo but at the same time when alistar's combo is down like he is a completely useless champion like he provides no value in fights apart from every you know five or six seconds when that's like the cooldown of his combo where as like leona nautilus they have that consistent engage and like leona flash q or leona flash e leona flash r nautilus hook nautilus alt like oh my god nautilus hook is like a fucking it has like a target it like is auto targeting because like that spell is just so broken
0: so i actually agree pretty much completely with the whole uh alistar thing versus the nautilus and leona i will say that i don't think that game was quite as bad um as people may think because we did see some good come out of the alistar pick like i'll remind people of like where he's in the Baron pit, and he flashes over and gets the three man pulver and they end up winning that team fight. Like there was some good stuff that came out of the Alistar. but Give I am with you in saying thing. that. I am with you in saying that. Like I kind of like the Nautilus a lot more than Leona. Um, I don't, I don't really remember there was the- that's you know, what I was- mean, bro. There was, like <laughs> there was like that one clip. Boy. There was the head on the minion. That clip is so. Oh yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> that-, that clip was actually really funny for people that missed it. I I retweeted it. You could go find it on Twitter, but the LCS <laughs> tweeted it out as well basically just core jj saying that he learned something in the high asked him like when did you learn to do this and he's like is this game three and he's like yeah he's like okay i learned it in game three <laughs> that clip was really really funny um but yeah there was also some things that like he's just getting caught out and trying to clear vision and like that's yeah but i don't look at that as an alistar problem i look at that as like you shouldn't be clearing vision there when you know when you don't know when the enemy team is or you shouldn't be doing it if you don't have your teammates around you to back up because someone has to clear vision right but that was just... Uh, anyways, I didn't think it was nearly as bad as you thought. I thought I'd seen a lot worse. But, um, yeah. Um, I want to go back to when we were talking about Inspired at the start of the TLEG segment here. Because I actually agree with you. I thought I thought Inspired actually had a much better weekend. W- what I thought he did a really good job of, of was I saw him roaming really well with not only his mid laner but support as well. So you, you hear a lot about jungle mid duo and jungle support roaming. And that was something that I thought we saw... EG do a lot better where we haven't really seen many proactive plays out of Inspired so far this year and that's where it's like okay if he starts to find some some synergy with those players that's where we can see EG come online and maybe that's a big part as to why we saw them take TL to five games this weekend because there were some invades where he's pushing Santorin off camps or he's making Santorin blow flash or they're just catching Santorin in the jungle and the leads to a whole big brawl with that they end up winning a team fight. And so I, I thought there was a lot more um, positives out of Inspired, some things that we've been looking for a lot uh, this spring split, and it's it's nice to finally see it in in playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, from the AG point of view, like the big game to talk about was game four because, you know, it was fucking like so 5-head, like the draft, honestly. Like it was just like <clears throat> Omega 5-head, like R5-ing dilution um into lane swapping it uh to go up against the gangplank which is a counter matchup so you basically like you kind of got like counter pick in two lanes like it's not like you got countered in mid lane like you just got a decent mid lane matchup and then you got this like huge counter top side and like Jojo Pune just like played it perfectly like he did a great job managing the waves levels 1 through 4 got a successful dive off top lane then when he hit with one item power spike he solo killed Buppo on the gangplank and you know obviously you know Danny Also had an insane game on the Ezreal. There was like that huge fight in the bot lane where he got a kill. But to me, like that game was about EG's early game and JoJo setting up the plays for top lane and then Impact also coming up and, you know, he like was doing perfectly fine Has a mid lane rise against Bjergsen because I feel like you lane swap the majority of top laners into mid lane against Bjergsen with a slightly favorable matchup. It probably doesn't go as well as you think it would. And Impact played well and Jojo Pyeon played insane and then Danny was just cleaning up like usual. So, game 4 out of EG was like peak like this is EG, like this is what we're seeing. And unfortunately, I think it sort of baited them in game 5 to like first pick the rise and like it was all downhill from there, but
0: yeah, so I want, I want to talk more about Jojo Pyeon because at the start of the show and even in our title we ask is Jojo Pyeon to blame and people might be like where does that come from? Well, I saw on Twitter um there was I think it was E.G. I think it was Empire E.G.'s like head scout was defending Jojo Pyun from flame. Um, I saw it. Uh, I saw Jensen make a tweet about it. Basically, like the and then obviously the co-streamers kind of flaming him for just roaming on the rise in game five and like, are those mistakes? Absolutely, that's a mistake to just be roaming around letting the Vagar free farm and like you're not really doing it. Like he's roaming on level five rise. Like if you're level six, it's maybe a different story. But level five, just not going to lane for like two minutes. Like okay, you. I kind of get where people are coming from. But to me, that just doesn't really accurately depict what the whole series was out of Jojo Pyun. You mentioned game four, like how he could just swap top lane and just win the lane hard. He absolutely sm- smashed Bwipo with the Lucian. Like that is really valuable to have a player that can do that. And that's not something you expect to see out of a 17-year-old rookie who has that confidence to do that first time playing in front of a crowd. Like there was a lot of good stuff to come out of this series. And that's why I, when I saw like people having to defend Jojo jo on Twitter, I was like, is there that much flame towards this guy? I hope there isn't, because yes, he made some mistakes this series, but like he also did a lot of really good things. Um, so, anyways, I-, I thought the series was pretty good out of JoJo. Um, unfortunately, he just got out p- played by Bjergsen early on. When he's on the Akali, Bjergsen was just kind of pog with the Ari charms and picked them off twice as he's trying to engage the backline. Like, you're playing Akali, you're going to try to flank, you're going to try to get into the carries. Bjergsen just outplayed him by landing the charm, which is really difficult to do on a slippery champion like Akali. So sometimes you just got to give credit to the guy who outplayed you. And Bjergsen looked great this weekend. So hats off to Bjerg and like no shame for Jojo Pion by getting outplayed by the GOAT, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, like I would say like he didn't even get outplayed. Like he was the better player in lane. And like it was the complete opposite when we saw this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know. I wouldn't say that. I just think, you know, for me, like, you know, the way that EG played around him in the early game, um, killing Bjergsen multiple times in mid lane with early ganks. And then in that game four situation where they set up the dive top against Wippo, like as much as people want to say, you know, Oh, you got ganked XD. Like to me, all the credit is all the credit is given as well to, you know, the laners who set those plays up. And yeah, I, I think, you know, Jojo Pune deserves a ton of credit for in that game one loss when he was playing that a colleague against the Ari, like that, first, like, kill they got for first blood where they're basically tower diving level 4, like, that was insane, like, that was nuts. Yeah,
0: no, and, yeah, and then in the game in game 3, he calls the Nocturne for the gank as well, like, don't get me wrong, I do think laning phase was very back and forth, I don't think it was Jojo V favored though, I remember, the, obviously the Vagar game, he got way ahead because he was left in lane alone and let's free farming, but then even the Victor game he was up like 20 CS um, so I thought Bjergsen actually looked really good this weekend too, but then post laning phase, I thought Bjergsen was just a little bit better um so that's why I would give the edge to bjerg well, I was, again, in lane. I was
1: yeah, just saying in lane.
0: Both of these players showed up this weekend, and so that's a really good sign as well. And so that that's yeah that's pretty cool you mentioned danny on the ezreal dude he got like 16 freaking kills in that yeah game, i know man. i was i was looking at the like kds <laughs> yeah. after
1: and i was like what the fuck this guy was 16 and one but uh the, the but quadra before...
0: kill he does not miss any skill shots by the way the quadra kill down yeah, yeah. like towards like gromp he doesn't miss anything that was sweet yeah that but, was like but, huge but, uh, danny
1: before we go off to like other stuff i want to i want to still go back to this like game five you know sort of jojo pion talk here because you know I kind of said this a bit before, but it felt like EG sort of baited themselves into this Rise first pick after, admittedly, they were doing a really good job with the Rise throughout the entire series. Like JoJo was basically playing Rise. They then swapped a the top lane, or they then swapped JoJo top top lane to give Impact the Rise in the mid lane, and it kind of gave them that like confidence to say like, okay, we're gonna now blind pick this champion, you know, B1, and now TL like you got to figure out what you want to do against it. But at the same time, like it felt like TL kind of just like called their bluff and blind picked Vagar because them blind picking vegar on you know first rotation of a uh, second draft phase they basically are daring eg to send the rise top lane and pick an aggressive mid laner into the vegar and kind of bank your whole game five and bank this whole series off of like winning the early game or you know you send the rise mid lane which is a favorable matchup for vegar and then you still have counter pick for top lane in which we saw like they blind picked Renekton and they they just picked Sion into it. So it kind of felt like that yeah. whole draft was like a bit of a lose-lose because they were doing so well with the Ryze. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason why, like, Ryze, to me, isn't as good of a champion as I think it is in general because it doesn't lose lane, sure, but it doesn't necessarily win lane. And it, you, there's a ton of favorable matchups for scaling mid laners to play against it. You know, you can play the Veigar, you can play the Victor but you can also sort of match fire with fire and pick a champion like Ari who to me feels like has the more reliable CC with the Everfrost charm and also has that same mobility to roam to the sidelines with the, with the spirit rush. So I don't know. It felt like EG sort of outbrained themselves in game five. And to me, I mean, this series felt like a 51 49 and unfortunately for EG TL was the 51.
0: Hmm. Yeah. But anyways, definitely changes the way people look at EG. Like, I mean, Uh, don't get me wrong i i I mentioned this to you uh, maybe last week maybe two weeks ago that i still thought eg was a good team i didn't think that they would compete with tl i didn't think they were that good of a team and so definitely a, a good surprise there um the other thing too that i'll say is i actually thought um Vulcan looked pretty good on the Leona. I know that he did have some int moments. Um, game five, they really overstretch, and that one engage kind of loses them the whole game. But there was also some really nice moments out of the Leona as well. Like, when we saw Impact have the really nice flank on the Renekton in that game, like, first of all, nice flank from, from Impact, hiding in the brush. He made it look like he was leaving, in the brush, blah, blah, blah. But then also, like, it is the Leona ult that baits out the Tom Kench Devour, which allows the Renekton's flank to be, um, what's the word? To work out, I guess, in the first place, and so like there's some subtle things that you don't always recognize. Like, okay, you you use the Leona Ulti, and the guy just gets devoured. You're like, oh well, that did nothing. And it's like, no, it didn't do nothing. It takes away a really valuable cooldown because that was the only way you were gonna get to Jinx, is if that Tom Kench devours on on CD. So some good stuff out of Vulcan as well. Um, have we seen him be better in the past? Yeah, but I don't think his his score lines necessarily depicted his gameplay this weekend. But he he played, did he play all five games Leona? He played a shit ton of Leona. I don't know um, if he played all five games, but definitely a lot of it.
1: Just checking, but I'm seeing only Leona as a four games. Hmm. Yep. He, no, he played Yumi game one. They played Yumi Zaya. Uh,
0: oh right. Right, right, right. Yumi, uh, Yumi,
1: lethality Yumi. Zaya is just cringe, man. Like
0: <laughs> I like how on the broadcast Yumi gets picked, and now that there's a crowd there, you hear the boos, that's pretty funny. I am like, oh Dude, maybe? boo that
1: boo that <laughs> champion, please. <laughs> yeah. It's welcome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Crowdback was pretty cool, so that was nice to have as well. Uh, anything else on this series?
1: Um, Yeah, Um, I mean, Vulcan... To me, Vulcan was a little bit underrated through most of the split because, you know, everyone seemed to want to talk about, like, Inspired and JoJo struggling. And to me, the main thing that was keeping this team afloat and, like, playing well still during the regular season in certain spots was Vulcan and Danny. And, you know, I thought they played well. And, you know, if we get that same Inspired and JoJo that we just saw in this last BO5, in further BO5s, I think that makes, you know, the potential matchup against Cloud9 in the loser's bracket very, very interesting. Because I think had we not seen this type of an EG versus TL, despite Cloud9's struggles, you know, it would still seem Cloud9 favored. But now, like, it feels like everything's up in the air now with Cloud9 playing bad and EG playing well. And 100 Thieves looking good. So it's just like they feel like the way that all these playoff series have went so far has just kind of made me rethink my outlook on like oh like maybe this series is like closer than i thought it was but i think you know TL are still the favorites because like i mean just look at the roster like it's pretty fucked up
0: yeah it, you know what's funny is that it feels that way for most of spring like there's not a lot of teams that you've been able to just pinpoint down as being this kind of team you know like we saw Dignitas start off really well. Well, they missed playoffs, you know? And then we saw FlyQuest start off really well. And then, well, you know, they, they went 5-1 and one and ended up 10-10. and 10. So it's, like, it's kind of consistent most, across most of the league that, like, trying to figure out a team is just really difficult. And it's always kind of been that way with, like, a small sample size. Like, 18 games is not a lot of League of Legends, you know, to get all this information out of. But I think that's, that's a good thing. It keeps the, the games unpredictable and more exciting. Um, should we move on to the previews to the playoff rounds coming up this weekend? Yep.
1: We got some lower bracket action. Oh yes. Saturday's matchup cloud nine versus golden guardians. Um, definitely, you know, it feels like the series actually has some meaning now because (laughs) I think that even if cloud nine would have lost to 100 thieves in like a three, one or a three, two, um, everyone would have been like, oh, well, Cloud9 is still going to go in and, like, stomp Golden Guardians because, you know, they're Cloud9 and the other team is Golden Guardians. But, like, I'm not, like, dude, what I was saying, like, Cloud9's early game sucks. And what is Golden Guardians' best part of their game? Their early game. So
0: Okay, so in the title, we asked, should C9 be afraid of Golden Guardians? But you, as a C9 fan, I got to ask you, are you now afraid of Golden Guardians? Because it sounds like a little bit of a yes, but I can't really tell.
1: I mean I would I mean I guess it's relative so I would say yes I am more scared of them now but am I scared of them in general no but like I said the early game is the problem point for Cloud9 at the minute and that's Golden Guardians best part um unfortunately for Golden Guardians they've always struggled to close out games and you know take those early game leads and transition those into stable mid and late games and to Cloud9's advantage you know They need to go for these very desperate plays and, you know, these desperate attempts against these stronger, more competitive teams in a TL or 100 Thieves because they know that they just can't roll into the late game, like down 5,000 gold, down 4,000 gold, down, you know, a Dragon Soul, down three dragons. Like, they can't do that. But against a team like Golden Guardians, like, maybe they could. Maybe they just go full yellow scaling and just say, hey, you need to beat us in the early game and you need to win in 20 minutes or we're just going to win.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the early game matchup, which is, like, Cloud9's problem right now, and Golden Guardians' strength. So, like, for me, that is a reason to be worried. Now, that doesn't mean that I think Golden Guardians is going to win the series. I'll I'll just give my prediction right now. I think c is going to take it 3-1. But, like you mentioned, like, two weeks ago, I don't even think we would have been taught—this wouldn't have been a real conversation. Like, should C9 be worried about Golden Guardians? The answer would have been, like, no. Okay. next but now because those matchups uh, are because of like the the early game matchups you you, now you have to wonder right and ultimately for me the reason why i could still go with cloud nine three one is i look at the mid lane olive has not been mr reliable he's been picked off a lot honestly a little too much for my liking or just wasting flash or blowing hourglass as i've mentioned many times just using a lot of his cds that he shouldn't have to be using which obviously hurts you when it comes time to team fight the other thing is, I mentioned many times, even if Licorice somehow manages to get a lead against Summit, which, yeah, I know Summit's been hard struggling, I'm still not convinced that uh, Licorice is going to be that top laner to really make him struggle that much like Someday would. Um, I don't. Even if Licorice gets that lead, I don't trust him to really hold on to it. We saw, was it one game this year that I can remember that like he really hold, held on to it, and that was the Fiora game, which is one of his pocket picks. Um, maybe if he plays the Fiora, I'll have more uh, confidence, but I don't know if you could just pick Fiora. It's not It's not exactly a pick that you can bring out on the regular. So, um, yeah, there's just another area where I can't be so confident for Golden Guardians to take the series. But um, at least it's interesting. That's a good thing, right?
1: Yeah, and I'll say my prediction, although it might sound like I've just been talking out of my ass for the last five minutes. I'm still rolling with the C930, but hear me out now. So okay,
0: all right, I'll, I'll hear you out. This...
1: Previous series against 100 thieves, obviously, obviously, should be a big wake up call for Cloud9, and the mm-hmm. fact that hey, they need to make some changes if they want to be a successful team. However, this previous style that they've played for the last three weeks now, meaning the last two weeks of the regular season plus this past playoff series, of playing these super greedy team comps with these very feast or famine champions that just say hey, um, these champions are going to succeed because we're going to win the early game, we're going to get ahead in lane, and are like we're just going to out team fight you and we have better hands, so we win. Unfortunately, I think that's a strategy that can just work against Golden Guardians, and, like, you know, they're not going to put up some, like, big resistance in laning phase. So, like, if 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 the, we get the same sort of matchups, you know, or in the same side of drafts out of Cloud9, like, I would still just expect all the Cloud9 lanes to just be up 20 to 30 CS in the early game, unless Golden Guardians, in turn, absolutely big brains it, and, you know, d- takes a similar approach, approach that 100 Thieves did, so... I think in the world where Cloud9 sees that they're struggling and improves, Cloud9 will play much better. But also in the same world, if they continue to run back these like shit team comms that they've been doing against these good teams, I unfortunately think that like those can just work against Golden Guardians because like they're not that great of a team. So
0: what I I felt like see? I felt like I've
1: said this in the past, but like it's a 3-0, but like I'm still a little bit nervous because like if Cloud9 <laughs> just rolls it back and like they get shit on the early game, like dude, like what the fuck's going on then?
0: What do you say to the people, I, I think I heard this on Hotline tonight, on Hotline, Le- I don't know if I heard on Hotline, but I heard it somewhere. What do you say to the people that say, well, now there's like this blueprint as to how to beat Cloud9 that we've seen the last couple of weeks be laid out. What do you say to, what do you say to people who say that? Like, oh, pretty much you, you've learned, C9 has now been exposed, their only win condition, you know how to attack it now. What do you say to that?
1: Dude, I, I would say that's completely valid and it's on Cloud9 to sort of make those adjustments and changes, but like I just said... I don't think Golden Guardians is as good. Even if even if Cloud Nine was the same back the same exact run back the same exact drafts strategy, I don't think Golden Guardians is just individually good enough to you know to beat them. If, if Cloud Nine was playing EG yeah. right now, if if this series was against EG and not Golden Guardians, I'd be taking EG all day. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. I'm sorry Golden Guardians, but I just don't think you're at that level.
0: Well, let's get into EG. You you answered. One of my questions that I was going to ask you, and that was, is EG the new lower bracket favorite? Uh, it sounds like a hard yes out of you, and it's a hard yes out of me as well, um, because EG actually looked really, really solid against, obviously, a top team in Team Liquid. And yes, the combination of, of Cloud9 looking a little bit weaker. But in this particular series, they're going up against FlyQuest. And people that have been listening the last few weeks know that I don't really have a lot of trust in FlyQuest. I am repping the FlyQuest jersey right now, That doesn't mean I have confidence in them, even though I love them. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know what to say here. I I think this was already a kind of an uh uh-oh situation for FlyQuest. For people that don't remember, just a couple of weeks ago, they were struggling in pretty much every lane possible. Maybe not the jungle, I suppose. And now you're going up against an EG that looks to have gotten a playoff buff or something of the nature. And so, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think this is a 3-0 for EG.
1: Yeah, I am going to give one game to FlyQuest, so I'm going to go with 3-1. Okay. Part of the reason for that is because I do think that, you know, Jose Diodo is being a bit slept on this season because I think, personally, like, when he came into the LCS last year, everyone was like, oh my god, Jose Diodo, like, whoa, whoa, big, like, beast LLA player, and, like, that was fine, and I think that you know, he didn't get as much criticism as I think he deserved last year because I thought he played pretty bad last year and everyone like kind of seemed to not think much of him or have a very strong opinion about him where I felt like I was on the other end. And I was like, dude, like most
0: of FlyQuest played bad last year. Like they were trash last year.
1: But I think, I think he's been like one of their best players by far the split. And also if not for like the dominance of Blabber, Centaur and Closer, you know, is up there in terms of like top junglers in the league this year in terms of performance. So I think, you know, uh, you know, what am I trying to say? Jose Dodo can carry FlyQuest the game. If he he gets, if he gets a nice early game on Alisson or Viego, like I'd expect him to be able to carry the game. Um, So I'll give them the one game because, you know, I, I personally don't think that, you know, obviously Kumo is a big problem and that's like a glaring, glaring hole in the team. But I think that in a five-game series, you know, one of those potential five games, or even four games, or even three games, could result in a Jose Diodo pop off. And you know, Takui is still, in my opinion, like pretty solid player. Yes, he has been <laughs> struggling as of late; has not been as good as you know, Blackwells first six games of the split. Um, but you know, I'll give him, I'll give him a game. I, I think it's possible.
0: So I agree with Jose being their best player. If it wasn't for Takui struggling towards the end, I would have said he was probably their best player. But yeah, I, I agree with the Jose Diodos sentiment there. Um, I I want to ask, is Hecarim nerfed on the most recent patch that they're playing on? I heard that he was yeah. nerfed. I don't know when, and I don't know how bad the nerfs were. But yeah. I know that that was one of Jose's better champions. Now, mind you, he still looks good on the Viego, so he still has that. But I do worry for one guy to be able to carry a team when one of his main picks is taken away, sort of. like Maybe he could still play it, I don't know. Um, But that's something I worry about. And the other thing I worry about for Jose is that we did just mention that um, Inspired is starting to look better and play better with his mid and with his support as well. And so that's where I'm, like, a little bit more worried for FlyQuest. Like, yeah, I think Jose is good and all, but I think EG as a team is just better in pretty much every lane still.
1: Yeah, I mean... Like I said, like my biggest worry with EG in the first place was that, you know, we hadn't seen the Inspired and Jojo of, you know, lock in. And while I do think that showing up over the course of a best of five series is a good indication that, you know, they're on the right track. But would it surprise me at all if like inspired is like has like is can it, like will be a bit AFK and Jojo Pune might like int one of these games? Like, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So
0: I, I hope I hope FlyQuest does get a game. I'm not counting on it, but I would like to see it. Um, the other thing too is that if FlyQuest is gonna win, you gotta see someone else other than Jose step up, right? You do need to see Tukui start to play the way he did earlier in this play. move same thing. Like he went from like huge playmaker early on to kind of a little bit of an inter, which is like <laughs> that you can't have that Afro. because um, he's a guy that this team relied on heavily when they were winning games as well. And it feels like two of the three being jungle mid support. For the the guys that that were pretty much getting them their wins, two of them have kind of fallen off a little bit. So that's where I'm a little bit worried. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, So you got 3-1, EG. I got the 3-0. What's next on the docket?
1: Um, What do we have up next? Oh, yes. Um, One, I wouldn't even say people have been talking about it. But I've been talking about it. because Yeah, we've been talking about it. Been talking about it. I'll put it up on the screen now, but... It's just, a, it's for the audio only people, it's just the picture of the playoff brackets in the LCS and the LEC. And I feel like we talk about this all the time, how the LEC is just like miles and miles ahead of the LCS in terms of, you know, the region as a whole, in terms of performance, the broadcast, the personalities, like the number of issues that we see just in general, like, oh my God, like how many like pauses slash like champion select delays did we have this weekend. Maybe like so three or four.
0: Some more by flaming our format and praising theirs. Of Let's course, do that. You know,
1: the the favorite pastime of you know flaming the LCS. But one of the things that I really like about the LEC you know playoff bracket is that the lower bracket is not a bracket per se. It's more of a gauntlet, and I do think that it is does a really good job of sort of reducing some of these unnecessary matchups that we see when you look at the LCS lower bracket because. You know, obviously, we kind of talked about this. Cloud9 and Golden Guardians is a more interesting matchup because of Cloud9's recent struggles. But, like, you look at these two series, like, Cloud9 and EG should be the massive favorites to move forward in both of these series. And I think, for the most part, and the most likely scenario is that, like, these are going to be two very, very boring series that we're not even, like, going to care about. The series that everyone cares about about and wants to talk about is the 100 Thieves TL matchup. And, like, we said before, like, we got to wait two weeks for this matchup.
0: Yeah, and and you can never guarantee that Golden Guardians Cloud9 would be boring. I mean, we don't think it'll be now that Cloud9's struggling, and you can never guarantee that FlyQuest EG would be a boring series. Like, you can't ever guarantee that. But I think the point that you're trying to get across is it would be better if we followed the LEC format. And I actually agree, because I think the way it would go is Golden Guardians would be playing FlyQuest first, right? And then from there, you do like like a gauntlet, like you said. After that, the winner of that would play evil geniuses i believe and then the winner of that game would play cloud nine and like i think that system's a little bit better i think it makes it the games are probably a little bit more uh, i don't know they're just closer right they're just closer in in like skill level if you will And i think that's a little bit better um i don't absolutely hate the way north america does it but i do like the way europe does it more so i think it's worth talking about
1: and i mean i'll throw another sort of point you know for the for the favor of the lec bracket which you know people can meme on about but like it also kind of makes the regular season like matter a little bit more. I mean, for the majority like for the majority of teams in the LCS, I think they would all say that it doesn't necessarily their placement in playoffs isn't as important as just making playoffs because I think, you know, this is true for esports and all of sports. Like all you got to do is you got to get to the dance. Like it doesn't matter whether you're the first seed, whether you're the 6th seed, whether you're the second seed, whether you're the fourth seed, like as long as you're in playoffs you have as good of a chance to win as any other team if you are to be the winning team. And, you know, you sort of take a look at it and, you know, being the second seed in the regular season should matter. Like, that that should be something that benefits you and, and should reward teams for playing well in the regular season because, as we know it right now, like, the regular season is a huge fucking meme, especially in spring split. Like, literally, for the past three years, everyone talks about a spring doesn't matter. But, you know, when you look at the LAC bracket, like, It rewards teams for finishing, you know, higher up in the regular season seeding because you get that extra, those less games that you have to fight through the lower bracket. And some teams might see that as an advantage, like, okay, more series, more games, that's better practice for us. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of LCS teams have been very outspoken about this and saying that, like, they would rather not have to waste, I say waste a day, but waste a day playing a full best of five rather than just have that extra day to practice themselves. So
0: I, I agree with the it makes the, the regular split more important. I agree with that sentiment as well. I, I like anything that makes the games matter more, I like. Mm-hmm. And so that I guess is just another reason on top of what we already mentioned why I think I like the LEC uh bracket a little bit more. Cause yeah, I think you're right. I think when when the when you do the gauntlet style, the seeding does matter a little bit more. And like it still matters in the LCS version, but clearly a little bit less. And so, yeah, yeah, I guess anything that makes it matter more, I'm, I am in favor of.
1: Plus, I mean, you know, the, the last thing I'll say about this is, like, the whole scheduling of the matter is a bit weird because the LEC, like, the LEC finishes next weekend. Like, they're playing their losers finals and grand finals next weekend, whereas LCS, we have three more weeks of playoffs. And obviously, you know, I think some people will look at that and say, like, oh, my God, three more weeks, that's epic. But at the same time, like, next week is two best of fives that people probably don't really care about that much. Um, followed up by, you know, you know the the matchup that really everybody wants to see, t- see. Sorry, TLM 100 Thieves. But then you have an additional week after that. So, like, you know, everyone memed on, like, NA starts so late, but, like, we're also ending late because our playoffs are four weeks long. And, you know, I even saw a Reddit post. I mean, uh, I think I saw this on Reddit, and I saw this in, like, Travis's Discord for Hotline League. Like, NA finishing two weeks after every other region doesn't really do us any favors for the team that we're sending to MSI.
0: Yeah, that part doesn't really bother me as much as far as like when our playoffs end, as like a viewer from the viewer perspective. Um, that I'm just like, I don't really care if we have to wait longer. Like, I don't, as long as there's games happening. Um, but I, I guess as far as like when the season ends, I would be just t- totally down to be like, when do the players want it to end? What's better for the players? Get word from the players and what they think. And whatever they think is best for them is what I'll be in favor of because I'm not the player, so I can't really say like what it's like to maybe there's the argument that. Well, it goes later, and so you're playing actual scrims versus teams that are still in it. So, like right now, for example, let's say so I, I believe it ends this weekend for LEC, right? Yeah. So, Rogue is the is the favorite right now because they're the ones that automatically are going to to finals, if I'm not mistaken. So, we'll we'll just pretend that Rogue is going to win. Well, after they win this weekend then they don't really have anybody else to scrim because maybe all the other teams are on break. And so by dragging it out until April 24th, in the case of the LCS, maybe you could make the argument, well, there's still teams to scrim that are actually taking it serious and that aren't on break. So maybe there's a little bit of a benefit there. So I don't know. The the part about the schedule, I don't really have any strong opinions on. And, yeah. and it is better as a viewer because, I, I mean, I don't know what to do. What What do you watch when the when the when league isn't happening i don't know what the hell to watch on weekend
1: Dude, i got tons of stuff to watch UFC what do you watch what this do you saturday
0: watch on... ufc yeah do you come so, on, like, dude. You're, did, on netflix? You're... you're ditching me on saturday bro yeah i know i got shit to do i don't you know what i hate i i opened up um i opened up netflix and it's like trying to get me to watch this show about cake it's like a bowling ball and they like dude, cut it's... into the bowling ball I don't care if the bowling ball is cake or not, man. And like I got I got nothing against cake, okay? Like cake is pog and I don't go I don't got anything against people that watch that stuff, but Netflix keeps recommending me this bowling ball cake thing. You know when you open Netflix and it has like a preview. I know,
1: I know what you're talking about too.
0: (laughs) It keeps telling me to watch this and I just want to be like Netflix. I don't care about the bowling ball cake, man. Uh anyways, I've gone off on a tangent here. But (laughs) so the longer the season goes, the better for the viewer. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean I get
1: to to counter to counter your previous point, because, you know, some teams could find value in like, oh well since our season's going longer, there's more teams natively to go and scrim. But at the same time, so, you know, the team, the number one team might just be of the opinion, like, let's get this shit over with so we can go to a boot camp somewhere. Like maybe like rogue let's say, like we said, rogue wins finals, like maybe the next day they're on a plane to Korea to start boot camping. And like, trust me, like you over to Korea, like every team is gonna wanna play because like that team That's is just hyper focused on getting better, so
0: that's a good point going to the korean boot camp is actually really valuable and that's where you're playing against the best teams in the world that that is a good point something i completely forgot all about so that's fair uh okay let's talk about danny now right it's time to talk about danny and the champions queue thing Mm -hmm. so there was a lot dude there's a lot of opinions on this going around um i want to open up by saying I actually think it's a really good thing that these discussions are happening. Now, of course, a lot of it is coming in bad faith and it's just, let's flame the shit out of all these players. But some of it's coming from a good place and it's just like, look, you kind of need to give these players a little bit of a kick in the ass and say like, you know, you've been asking for this and maybe not every individual player has been asking for it, but as a whole community, they've been asking for better solo queue environment, being lower ping and better players and you finally have that and it's not being utilized all that much. The latest talk about it is that there's only like one game happening per hour, which is a little bit sad to hear uh, as a fan. Because just just for me,
1: because I've never heard that sentiment. Like, who said that? Because
0: that was happening on Hotline League tonight. They were talking about it. Well, I was watching Um, champion.
1: I was watching Champions Q like two hours ago, and there were like many different games going on because I was like flipping between streams. So, just saying, I in my personal opinion of watching a lot of Champions Q, I have never like seen the fact where like only one game is up at a time maybe like the only place where i would say like that could be true is like the last game of the night like before it closes at like 1 a.m pst or whatever but you know i i would say that i watch like a f- pretty frequently will watch you know difference champions queue streams and there's no problem with like if one game ends like i can click on somebody else's stream and like there's a game going so i guess i would have to ask that person or say to that person like you probably found that like Last like hour of the day where it's open, and only like there's one game going on, so
0: yeah, I don't know the direct source I don't remember, because I just remember it was something they were talking about on Hotline League tonight, so I don't know. Those are usually people that I can rely on, so I don't think that they're making it up, and yes, you're right, it could have just been that specific time that they looked. that is totally possible. But the main discussion that's happening right now is Danny came out and basically just said like, "Look, I don't like playing Champions' queue, and here's why, and for me, I actually really appreciate him being honest. And just because I think that that's the first step to improving so, or uh, Champions Q is just the players being honest with how they feel about it, what they like about it, what they don't like, why they play, why they don't play. Like, I think Danny knows full well that when he makes this tweet that in this whole releases this whole document, he knows that he's going to get some flame for it. But it is over. It is better for the Champions Q environment that players are honest about why they're playing or not playing, because maybe something can be done about it. Now, can something be done about every single problem they have? No. But you can't start fixing things unless you know what the problems are. And so that's something that I really appreciated, Danny coming out and saying, here's why I'm not playing. Now, one of the things that he said as to why he's not playing is because he doesn't really feel comfortable being in voice comms. Look, I try to empathize with someone that doesn't feel comfortable with voice comms. However, that's just something I for, for me, I think you need to bite the bullet and just accept that you're gonna have to use voice comms because that is like. Yes, maybe you don't like them, but it is still so much a better practice environment to be playing in Champions Queue that, like, I think you have to take some of the good with the bad. Uh, like, we've always heard for so long how bad Champion or how bad Solo Queue was. Now you've taken out the top 100 or 200 players out of Solo Queue. Solo Queue is no longer good practice. It can't be. It just, if it was bad before, it has to be really bad now. And so that's where I'm like well, shit, Danny, uh, sorry to break it to you, but if you're saying that solo queue is your only place to practice, then that's not too good. Now, he, mind you, he does also go in and say that he's been playing some 1v1s and 2v2s and, and watching other uh, regions and stuff like that, but not playing champion's queue doesn't sound like a good method to improve. That That's what worries me a little bit.
1: Yeah, Um. what I would say is I think it's a perfectly acceptable stance and opinion to not play champions queue if you don't want to, like that's fine. I have no problem with players who choose to do that. However, once you've done that, to me, you lose all. You lose all. What am I trying to say here? You basically have no right now to go out and now flame, you know, North America, or just say, hey, like we can't improve as a region. Like you, you've completely now lost the ability to say that because you yourself are not using the best possible tool to improve and get better. So I think it's totally acceptable if you don't want to play Champions Q. And, you know, while I don't necessarily agree with the reasons that he's saying it for, because, you know, uh, I'm completely with you there on, like, the voice comm thing. And, you know, I'll also, like, echo a bit about what Double have said. Like, do you think that these imports who come to North America, like, you know, a Summit, a Berserker, a Shenyi, a Kaiduo, like, who don't even speak English, like, do you think it's comfortable for them to like now go and play champions queue and talk to people whom they never have met before and can't even really communicate with? Like, it's probably awkward for right. them too, but like, Hey, like they are trying to get the best practice possible. And you know, I completely understand the sentiment of wanting to play one V ones and two V twos. Um, But you know, if you have shortcomings as a player and your individual performances aren't stacking up, like everyone now just knows, like you're just, you're not using the tools that are available to you. And to me, like that'd be a problem. Like, you know, Fudge. He's also been pretty adamant about not playing Champions Q because he has said that he finds more value in you know doing VOD review and doing you know pl- like many, many, many one v ones. And like that's that was like his whole thing. Like back when Licorice was the top laner for Cloud9 and Fudge was the Academy top laner, like Fudge was the guy he was playing one v ones with. And that's totally fine. And Fudge has had pretty strong performances for the most part throughout his entire career. But you know, if its performances to start to dip, like at a certain point, you got a question. Like, hey, like. You know, there's a tool here that can make you a better player and you're not using it because you decide to go with this, you know, different, more, you know, unorthodox method. So I think, you know, sure, you can be unorthodox if you want to, and that's totally fine, but your level of play has to continue to you know get better without those resources and without those tools. Um, because if you if you decline and your performances decline, like it's just an easy out and an easy excuse for everyone to just like throw shit at you and just say, Hey, like, man, like it it's not surprising to us because you know you're not you're not even using the tools available to get better.
0: Yeah, and I completely agree with you whereas like I don't think players should be forced to play anything that they don't want to be playing, but yeah, the option is there and I think you're right when you make the point of like well look, there's this whole thing set up for you that pretty much puts to bed most of the reasons that people have talked about why NA is not good as a region. So, if you don't want to utilize it, then like you said, then there's no really there's no excuses left anymore. For why the region isn't getting better outside of I don't know, I guess a smaller player base, but even still, even like you just have to feel like other regions would kill for this, <laughs> and that's where it kind of feels bad as like a fan. It's like you invest so much time watching it. And look, I realize the time invested in watching these players is not even comparable to the time that they put in practicing. But it does feel bad if you put it, if you invest so much time as a fan and you want to see your region get better, and then there's this tool that's there for people to do that. And they don't use it, that kind of feels bad as well. Um, the other thing that he brought up as well is like he doesn't feel comfortable t- picking new things in Champions' queue because he might get flamed, and that's actually something I totally see why he feels uncomfortable with because l- let's put it this way uh, who's someone who's someone who's like notoriously toxic dardok let's say, let's say you got Dardok on your team and you pick something that is off meta. I feel like, like, look, I don't know Dardok personally, but I feel like there's a high chance Dardok might flame you, right? Or anybody could flame you. We know how how people can be in the community. Not everyone's a nice guy. So, like, I think there is a good chance you get flamed for picking something off meta or whatever it is. But how, even with that being said, like, you get flamed in solo queue for doing that all the time anyways. (laughs) So it's like, to me, it's not really much different. You're going to get flamed for picking off meta stuff. But also, I think, if anything, the the Champion's Queue environment should be more accepting of trying new things. Like, this is literally the area to try new things and improve. So I honestly think that it's more of a, um, what's the word, just a community attitude where the community needs to come together and say, look, guys, we shouldn't be flaming someone for trying new things. This is the area to try it. And yes, you might lose some points, in your in your climb or whatever but that's not the main like yes there is a prize pool but that's not the main reason this was created the main reason was it was created was for improvement and so i think you should be a little bit selfish in saying i need to work on this pick this is i'm going to use this champion's queue to work on this pick and i think that's what it should be used for
1: yeah i mean in terms of like the off meta picks and stuff like that i think it is a little bit understandable to say that hey i don't really want to Play a champion that I'm not very experienced on and sort of bring out for the first time in a, you know, more competitive environment than solo queue. I think that is somewhat a valid point. Um, but like, dude, like, it's not, it's not that like everyone is just like meta slaving and picking the same thing every game. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, the meta, you know, people are more likely to pick meta champions, but at the same time, like, dude, like, people pick like whatever the fuck they want. Like, dude, watching streams, like, Malice is like one of the most like is the Malice is one of the junglers who plays the most champions queue in terms of like the jungle role, and he literally has his completely own style of jungling, and it's like you know, I guess what I would say is I think people more often than not are happy that they're that he's on their team because I think he has like one of the highest win rates on the server. I mean you you can fact check me on that. I'm not exactly sure, but you know I remember hearing somewhere that like Malice had one of the highest win rates in terms of like players in the jungle role in champions queue. And, you know, uh, dude, I see, like, RJS pick whack shit all the time. Like, he's currently spamming Cassidy in a champion's queue. He's been spamming Cassidy for, like, a week now. And trust me, like, I don't... I think players would be more outspoken if they didn't want this, like, completely AFK AFK useless champion pre, like, level 11 on their team. So, I mean, I I sort of get the point about, like, well, I'm not just going to go first time, like, Cassiopeia bot lane if I'm Danny in a champion's queue game. But, like, dude, like... You're telling me like you probably never played lucian in your like life ever or zaya in your life ever just like those are the champions he referenced in his own thing like i wouldn't pick just straight up randomly pick lucian or zaya or mf because like those are champions i'm trying to learn but like dude like sure you might not get as much out of that champion as you once did because you haven't been playing it as recently but like dude like it's like so like minuscule in terms of like what he's talking about there
0: i feel like no matter what you pick there's a chance for someone to flame you literally no matter what even in solo queue, especially, we mentioned all that already, but like people flame like crazy in solo queue. I don't think it's much different in Champions Queue. And while I do feel bad, because I have seen it, I have seen on some of the uh Champions Queue streams where people are like, oh shit, I'm with this guy. He's going to pick something like this and I don't want to play with that. I have seen that from streamers. <laughs> it's going to come with it. And like I said before, you got to take the good with the bad. um The good just far outweighs the bad in this scenario. And while I do empathize with some of the bad here, you have to be a little bit selfish and say, this is the best way for me to get better, and so I'm going to go and try new stuff. And I think, I, and the thing is, even in his, like, statement or his document or whatever you want to call it, he did say that, like, he is open to trying so, or a champion's queue more often. And so, um, yeah, it's good to see that he's saying, okay, look, I'm going to give this another go. I'm going to try to take it serious. And, and you know, I, the fact that he's open with his, um, with his thoughts on it as well, I think is really admirable uh, for him to come out and do this stuff, so. Yeah, I think well, it's mostly he, good.
1: He, he did say, he posted on Twitter, like he was playing Champions Q the other day and he was like, I think it was his first time playing. He said, I'll just read out his tweet. He said, Champions Q was fine. One thing I noticed is that the Q is that there's no top laners are available. Always one or two top laners needed to start the games. So it takes a long time for a player willing to autofill. I don't personally think that I would be a good at top and that kind of sucks. Maybe Q at an earlier time. Like I said, like, you know, the best time Oak to queue up
0: low. who well, else is it?
1: Well, I'm just saying the best time to queue up Champions queue is right when it starts. And like like, dude, like, of course the game quality is not going to be as good when the queue has been open for six hours at the time and you're queuing up with like a, two hours or an hour and a half left. Like dude, when, when, when the queue opens like games are popping. Like sorry, bro, yeah. but like I mean, like not to like flame him, but like dude, you're pro player here, man. Like you got you got to like be on top of it and you know, I it's, I it's totally, it's totally fine that. if he doesn't want to play it, but you know, it's going to be expected that uh, he's going to get flamed when, if his performances dip and it's just going to be a bit like, I don't really give a fuck about your opinion. If you start going down the rabbit hole of like, oh, NA so bad, like, because this, this, and this, like low ping, like no ping, like, so look, you bad. Like, I, I honestly couldn't give like a fuck if you said that because of exactly what you said here, that you don't want to use the the best resource available.
0: And it's a good thing for him that he has been one of the better ads in the league. For sure, if, if he would be getting hard flamed, I think that's where most of the attention goes to is like dude, some dude. of the TSM guys that are in last place, you know, or I guess ninth place if you want to be generous, where like they're not really playing any champions queue, and well, not all of them, but most of them.
1: Dude, if Wild Turtle came out and said like I don't want to play champions queue, and you were he was like clearly one of the worst AD carries in spring split, he would like get shit on repeatedly.
0: Yeah, true. Like true yeah that's a good point but uh anyways it just seems like we got some weekly champions queue things to talk about it seems like there's never any ending drama around it which is one of the things papa smithy tweeted out he was like i I don't even remember what he said but so i'm paraphrasing or something along the lines of like hey it's nice that we have this tool and all but it's kind of just become this winch hunt to witch hunt to go after players and it's like eh i some people have bad intentions with it but some people have good intentions of just like hey man Let's try to get our guys using this tool that we've been waiting for for so long. Mm. But anyway, okay. Next on the dock at the All-Pro teams, right?
1: Yep, they announced the All-Pro teams last Thursday, I want to say. Um, you can see them on the screen. I'll read them out. Uh, first team was Summit, Blaber, Bjergsen, Hansel, Makor, JJ. So, you know, Cloud and NTL. Uh, second team, Someday, Santorin, Takui, Berserker, Huhi. Third team, Wipo, Closer, Fudge, FBI, Vulcan. Um, At first glance, nothing really jumps off the page to me as like, oh my god, how the fuck is this player on this list, or why is this player in this position? The only thing that I would say is that Biofrost is not here, and he should be here.
0: You knew I was going there, didn't you?
1: I mean, like... I I didn't normally when the All Pro list comes out I always like to go through the entire ballot to sort of just take a look and get a rough idea at names to see like if some players were like really close to getting that third spot like I, I mainly like to look at like if worse teams who didn't make playoffs who normally you know aren't on the best teams but are still strong individual players if they're kind of getting the recognition they deserve in the you know other parts of the voting so I will say I did not go and look at the entire ballot like I normally would but. If I went and saw that Biofrost like wasn't getting any votes at all, like I'd be pretty surprised to be like, dude, like are you watching these games? And I would also be interested to see like where Danny and Luger sort of matched up in terms of like comparing him to FBI, because in my opinion, I mean I had Danny and Luger better than FBI for the entirety of the regular season. Not surprising at all to me though that FBI's on the list. Um, but I would say, you know, the one thing that just really stands out to me is Biofrost being missing, I think. You you guys saw our other our, our own personal lists from last week, and that you know we both had that fudge you know would be second. Uh, you had Takui third, I had Blue third. Um, we both had Berserker over Hansama, but it's not surprising I think to either of us that Hansama did you know make it over Berserker. So, I think it's yeah, a, we it's one of whole, the better all pro lists.
0: We did a whole segment on it last week. If if you guys missed it, they are stamped Thanks to uh, Mr Jnt250. So if you guys want to go look at what we did last week with the uh, all-pro votings for if we were to vote, we we have that available to you guys. But yeah, the one standout Biofrost thing. Um, he was a monster. He did struggle in his last week, but like, dude, so did Summit. Yeah. <laughs> Do I think Biofrost was as good as Summit? No, but he was still great, man. man. There's no way, I, for me, I think he got robbed. But that's that's just the way it goes. There's no sense in getting too bent out of shape over these uh, lists. There's always a lot of controversy with them. So, such is life.
1: Mm -hmm. And then uh, we presume that they're going to announce coaching staff of the split uh, next week, uh, just because that's normally how it goes, and that's when they release them. They do it every week during playoffs. Um, What would be your quick prediction if you had to say one?
0: I don't know 100 thieves like here's the thing I know we say this every time we talk about this but I'll I'll reiterate again We don't fucking know what's going on with the coaching staffs, man. We're not there. (laughs) Like, you could could look at draft and say that, but even sometimes the draft is like the player's like, oh, I want to play this, or the player will be like, I want to play that, or or, we shouldn't ban this, or we should ban that. So it's like you don't even know how much of the draft is purely the coach. There are some teams where the coach has a lot more say in the draft than in others, or or rather the players have a lot more say in the draft than in other teams. So it's like with – there's no way of us really knowing the way I, the reason why I pick 100 Thieves is because a lot of times it's just how good was a team and how much better did they get over the split? 100 Thieves like improved a lot towards the end of the split. So I'm going with them.
1: Yeah. I think I always find that even though everyone talks about like, you know, the regular season awards, whether it's MVP, all pro coaching staff, like it is the whole regular season, but it normally ends up like skewing towards like the last two thirds of the season, just because like recency bias, that's just kind of how it works. And I would have to say that 100 Thieves are probably the favorites for this just because of the way that, like you said, they improved throughout the split and they ended up on a seven-game win streak before ultimately losing the last game of the split. If I did have to throw my hat in for an additional team to pick, I don't think I could pick Cloud9 because of the LS situation. I don't think you could pick TL because first place was the expectation. And to be honest, I think people expected TL to be better than they actually were in the regular season. Um, But I would go with Golden Guardians maybe. Uh, Mostly because I thought FlyQuest kind of are where, you know, they kind of were the opposite of 100 Thieves, where they ended on the decline. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, EG felt like they didn't really reach their potential at the end of the regular season. Obviously, I think in playoffs they have, at least, or what we saw in that five-game series. But Golden Guardians, to me, like, this was a team that made it to playoffs, that wasn't really expected to make it to playoffs. And a lot of people had them as, you know, the ninth or eighth-place team.
0: And the thing is like I I could see it going to Golden Guardians but then there's the obvious like well they couldn't close out a game at the start of the split and they couldn't That's not learn the coach's fault, bro. Well maybe it is though. You don't know that, right? Like maybe the coach should be able to point out, look, this is what we're doing wrong, this is what we're doing wrong, this is what we're doing wrong, and here's how we're going to fix this 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 this. So cool. I could see some of that falling on the coach.
1: I think so, but I do think that a lot of the sentiment around coaches in terms of what from the outside opinion of what they do for a team is heavily involved with draft and early game planning. Like that is one of the things that a lot of coaches in the past have talked about. Like they do a ton of the first ten minutes. Like they game plan the first ten minutes of the game. Um, and you look at Golden Guardians. Um, I think Anero's like he's always been a pretty solid coach, pretty underrated.
0: Yeah, I have um, a lot of respect for the Golden Guardians coaching staff. They turn players that are like kind of no ones into really. I mean, we saw them do it with the. Uh, a lot of the 100 Thieves players right now, right? In the FBI, who he and.
1: and yeah, I, sure. I they draft well. Their early game is good, but sometimes their players uh, lose their minds a little bit in the mid and late game.
0: Yeah, sure. Give it the Golden Guardian. To be honest, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. I want them to get rid of this award.
1: Yeah. Ugh. It's like they're going to phase out, you know, they phased out Rookie of the Year in favor of, like, most improved player. Um, They only do that every like summer split though they don't do it during swing split it's like most improved player of the year they have a like I think it's an FTX award or whatever but mm, I feel like coaching staff is gonna be that next award that just gets phased out in favor of like something else or just removed entirely
0: yeah won't be upset if they do <laughs> okay quick news yep. last on the docket is quick news J&D we got feed us
1: two things they're both Korean stuff first up um we previously have known that MSI is building he- being held in South Korea. Although we did not know where it was being held in South Korea, it's being held in Busan. Um, yeah, South Korea is a place I've always wanted to go to.
0: Me too, Maybe man. Epic. Dude, my brother was there. My brother was there. I mean, mind you, he stopped at the airport and was going, but, but like, dude, my brother doesn't care at all about, like, Wait, Korea. Wait, so he was and in like the airport? Yeah, but, like, I'm just jealous that he got to go there because I guess they had, like, a long layover, so they were in the city for, like, a while, I guess. What's a um,
1: while? Like,
0: I don't know, a day
1: okay i mean
0: i don't know he was I, I i don't know i don't know exactly but the point was he was like dude like korea is so cool And i'm like don't say that to me because i want to go yeah so anyways i'm jealous
1: when covid's all said and done i want to go to law park watch faker play yeah gotta to see I gotta see a
0: few thousand dollars lying around gotta
1: see faker live at one point before he retires
0: the the, the freaking twitch primes if you got any because i could use some cash to go to korea yeah, we should we should Just,
1: put a we should put like a donut goal up atop at like for yeah. cfp trip to korea
0: we only need what like 10 grand i don't even know how much it would be yeah, not that much korea. for two people Aren't like 10 grand. expensive and to stay there no it's not that much i no, don't
1: know if you plan it out farther ahead far enough mean. in ahead at least
0: i can tell you i don't got it i'll tell you that how much it is i don't got it well um MSI
1: in Busan. One thing that was interesting while I was reading the Dextero article is this is Korea's first time ever holding MSI in South Korea, which was pretty surprising yeah, well considering like, you know, their Korea and like their epic and beast and they're good at league. So to hear that they've never hosted an MSI is pretty crazy. And uh they even uh, they haven't even hosted like an international event since World's twenty eighteen because they did twenty nineteen was EU, twenty twenty was China, twenty twenty one MSI was in Iceland, and then twenty twenty one Worlds was also wait no. Yeah, that Iceland. was also in Iceland, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's two of them in Reykjavik. Yeah. But yeah. That's cool.
1: And then last up, um, Faker, Zeus, Owner, and Caria. They tested positive for COVID. Obviously, there's been a ton of problems in the L C K this split with COVID and there are I guess some small concerns as you know MSI gets closer and closer with all these, you know, rising COVID numbers in South Korea. Um, they also won, like I was I didn't even write this down, but I should mention it. Like T one won uh, LCK finals over Gen G. Pretty expected based off of T one kind of smurfing the whole regular season. So T one will rep L C K at MSI. Like we kind of mentioned, LEC playoffs finish up next week. I believe LPL playoffs finish up not This week, but the week after, and then LCS playoffs finish in three weeks. So we will soon know what MSI is going to look like.
0: At least the COVID stuff happened. Like now that they've won, you know, it's like they're not going to have to worry about players being out or being sick, trying to play in the final. Like that would have really sucked. Um, The only thing that you're kind of worried about for them now is long COVID. You don't want them having that long COVID thing. That would really be shit if one or two of the players – had long COVID and like it affected their MSI performance at least they got some time here so hopefully that's uh doesn't affect them because I think that would be disaster there's already like <sighs> I hate to say it but there's already at the, a- the asterisks on the perfect season because I guess some of the teams that they were playing were were missing some of their starters and blah 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 and it's like would they have won that anyways probably but you never know for sure and so that just sucks like ah. Uh anyways it would have been a nightmare if we didn't get them to see them play at msi and so hopefully they're all recovered by then and we get to see the regular t1 because apparently they're just absolute monsters doing b apparently doing b came out with some comments did you see that jnt about like well uh,
1: i posted that in the thing so yes oh, i did so see then that. you did
0: okay my my bad <laughs> my bad man but J&T yeah guys, and i guess they just kinda got clapped by T1 and Scrims. LNG did, so
1: Yeah, the the word on the street is that T one is dicking down all the LPL teams as well, like the best teams in the LPL, which are LNG and V five. Um LNG is Sloin team and uh, V five is rookie's team. So yeah. T one sound like they are
0: The real deal. Yeah. And the thing is if they like let's say they go to MSI and they just cruise and let's say they continue this in summer and, and then they also could go to Worlds and win worlds like then you could start to co- talk about this. Like, mind you, it's early for that, right? But you could start to talk about this team as one of the best teams ever, if not the best team ever, if they continue this dominance that is forecasted. Now, look, they got a long ways to go. But when you hear Doimby saying that they're just absolutely hard stomping them and like, and they obviously hard stomped their whole spring split, it's a good start. It's a good place to start for the uh, possible best team ever. But obviously, they got a long ways to go and still a lot to
1: faker's the best player ever so i'm good with that as long as that narrative well, then, stands then everyone all's yeah, right in the everyone
0: world said that. yeah uh that's hey man it for this some people
1: some people say like oh showmaker wins and Showmaker's it's like ah.
0: i would have said that if showmaker would have won i would i wouldn't have said that he's better than faker but i would have put him in the conversation i think they need i think i said this last year when they lost the finals that they needed to win that finals for showmaker to push himself into that conversation um yeah. But they didn't. So
1: yeah, I mean, there was like there was a couple random Reddit posts this week about like, you know, people were asking questions because like it's for whatever reason it sounds like a lot of people are like, there's a lot of new players coming into league because I'm seeing all these Reddit posts like about like newbies asking questions and like I saw three different posts of saying like, hey, I'm new to league, like, can somebody tell me about this Faker guy and like (laughs) who's like who's like the second best behind Faker? Like I know like everyone talks about Faker, but who's the second best? And like a lot of people were throwing like rookie um showmaker uzi in that conversation i think you know baker's by far and away number one like nobody else is close yeah. in my opinion showmaker could be there with another title you know even i think if uzi if uzi were to win worlds he's probably in that conversation but yeah. i think his time has passed unfortunately sorry yeah. to to uzi and but... i think
0: the the fact that it's not obvious who the number two is is what tells you that it's that faker is the obvious number one exactly the fact that it's like "Eh, could it be this guy could be that guy could be that guy that's what kind of tells you like okay yeah faker is number one because there's not a clear consensus on who number two is therefore it can't really be all that close Mm -hmm. um unless you think all of those players are just behind faker and it's like well not really so Mm -hmm. but yeah okay that's it for this episode a little bit of a quicker one um nothing wrong with that uh I don't got anything other to really shout out other than the usual hit the subscribe button if you haven't. JT pick something to shout out. Shout something out.
1: Um, Shout out my mom who made me a sandwich earlier.
0: Momers JNT?
1: Oh, dude, that's not a meme that goes well with Momers my mom. and
0: JNT. What? Why?
1: Well, because it's it, I don't want to expose our friend's last name because okay. we don't reveal last names like that. That's crazy, but like doesn't fit as well with the meme as the mom you know I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyways, Mommer's J&T makes a mean sandwich. Pog for mom. It
1: was great. All right. I'm, All right. My belly is nice and full.
0: I'm going to close out the show now. Uh, thank you guys, for coming back every week. We love you guys. We hope you guys continue to enjoy playoffs as we have been, and we'll be back same time next week. Uh, this has been episode 80 of the Clown Fiesta podcast.